Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, unless there's something else. Well, all right. Now, you know, Christina's in nursing school, and that's why they're, they're not here on Wednesday night. Yeah, they were sick, but they're they're better. Yeah, yeah. I just guess it, it pick up stuff from school. I don't know what it is. Now, as Paul continues here to the Corinthians, to the church at Corinth, we then, as workers together with him. Now, remember last chapter, he said we are ambassadors. For Christ. So continuing on with that theme, we then as workers together with him, ambassadors. That's and so that's follows right along there. We beseech you. Now that's the language of grace. It's not exactly a a beg, but it's not it's also not a command. We kind of plead with you. Also, that you all receive not the grace of God in vain. Evidently, he must need some assurance that their practice matches their profession. And, you know, we all need to have that too. To know that our practice matches our profession. We all need to have a good profession of faith. But then our practice needs to back that up. And I think that's what he's talking about. And he says, for he saith. Now he's going to quote the book of Isaiah or a a verse of it. Now, to the contrary here, Andy Stanley would say, we don't need, we can cut that out of our Bible because we don't need to go to the Old Testament. That's what he would say, or words to that effect. He's already said it, get rid of the Old Testament. Well, he's a devil. He's a demon. He said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. This is Isaiah 49, verse 8. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Also, a piece of that's in Isaiah 61, verse 2. Now, that word S-U-C-C-O-U-R-E-D, suckered, is used eight times in the New Testament. And all this time and one other, it's always rendered help. So that's what the word means, help. He says, receive not the grace of God in vain, the grace of God. Now what's brewing? We'll find it in Galatians. We find it all over the New Testament. The move to try to get believers back under the law, to move them away from the grace of God. And so he says, now I've heard thee in a time accepted, time well-pleasing to God's what that is. 
And in the day of salvation, and this is the day of salvation, has been since then, I've helped thee, behold, now is the accepted time, behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, there's going to come a time when that's not true. That the door is shut. You got the wise and the foolish virgins, you know. And so there's going to come a time. The mercy of God is not forever and always on everybody. Now, God's mercy is over the righteous and the unrighteous. His reign comes on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, uh, humanly speaking, now would be the time. Somebody says, well, I'm going to wait. Well, you'll run out of time. And you may well do it, and probably will, if that's your, what's on your mind. But now is the day. But he says, now giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. So that is the situation that we're in preaching the gospel to every creature. But from our standpoint, giving no offense in anything. This has to do with us. That the ministry be not blamed. Now it's nobody's fault if somebody's not saved. Except they're responsible. Is God going to send somebody to hell because I've been unfaithful? No. Not at all. Now that's not to say that I don't have responsibility. Because I do. When he says, their blood will I require thy hand. I don't know what all that means, but it sounds serious to me. So I do have responsibility. We all have responsibility. But God's not going to send anybody to hell because we're just too lazy to get out and talk to them. So we must not give an offense To give somebody an excuse for their stumbling block. We need to keep ourselves right. Producing what we ought to produce. We talk about the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness. That's our business. But in all things of proving ourselves... As the ministers of God, in much patience, are we? Are we impatient? In uh, afflictions, why do I have this on me? In necessities, in distresses, 
Am I, am I showing forth the proper testimony and the proper witness even in spite of all of these things? I think it's pretty serious. In stripes, bull whip on the back. In imprisonments, we certainly know that Paul and the others certainly had their time in prisons. You ever seen that letter that was sent to this big church that was looking for a looking for a pastor? And the guy writing the letter was giving all of his testimony and all that. And uh, he said, I don't look very good. You know, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fantastic speaker. Uh, I, do, I do know the truth and I do preach all the counsel, the truth and all that. But, and uh, I'll, I'll be glad to come by and see you as soon as I get out of jail. And he's applying for the pastor's position. And goes through all of that. And there's a lot more to it than that. I don't remember it all. But. And then it's signed. Paul. But they've already rejected him. No, we won't even sit for that. They don't even read the whole thing. We don't want a man like that. <laughs> in stripes and imprisonments. Tumults. Mobs, mob action. Now you know a mob is a, is a scary thing. There are not many people. I don't know if there are many. If a mob jumps on you, they're going to get you. That's just like a wolf pack and a bear or a, a buffalo. They'll finally get that buffalo. I saw some lines on one of those Facebook things on an 18-foot giraffe. And they finally got him down and ate him. And it was a mob. There wasn't just one or two. They couldn't have done it. They got a pack. And that's how the wolves do it. They run in packs and they get a 1,500-pound moose. Bring him right down, buddy. Well, let me tell you that a mob of people, whether they're teenagers or, or adults, they can get you down. Well, Paul's been in those. In labors and working hard, you know, he's a tent maker and he worked hard. In watchings, not getting much sleep, watchings all night. In fastings. I don't know if you've ever gone a long time without food, but most of us, if we go without food today, we're already weak. And if we don't get any food tomorrow, pretty soon, we're not going to be hardly able to get up and do anything. Well, what if you fast for 10 days? 
I don't know anybody remembers it or not. It was in the newspaper. I'm not telling telling tales out of that ought not to be told. It was in the local newspaper, Hershey, New York, when he was over at Ashton Avenue. They ran a big article on how he was going to have a 40-day fast. And he did. He, he said, yeah. It was all over the newspaper. I mean, that, how far they went. It used to go, you know, everybody read that. Instead of what, why, that wasn't anything. Then we come to find out he was drinking Pediasure or, or what's the other one? One of them that protein drinks. He was drinking one of them every night. That's just a lie. That wasn't no fast. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. No water, no food. Anyway. You physically stay weak. But now, what did Paul say? When I'm weak, then am I strong. Weak in the flesh, you quit depending on the flesh and you're depending on the Lord. By pureness, pureness, a pure life, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, unfaked, pure love. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, He's talking about those both coming to him. Honor and dishonor. Let me tell you. When it all comes down, push comes to shove. The powers that be that are going to be coming in on us are not going to let you have the dignity of being a martyr for Christ. They're going to they're gonna list you as a psycho or a, or and or a threat to society. You won't have that dignity. That's honor and dishonor. A lot of them tried to dishonor Paul. Things they would say about him by evil report and good report. As deceivers and yet true. They accuse him of being a deceiver. Uh, we just read it. The other day. Uh, Paul thou art much learning hath made thee mad. That's it, crazy. As unknown. And yet well known. As dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, and not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Can that be said about us? As sorrowful, and always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, 
and yet possessing all things. Well, you know, when, when people don't have anything much, poor, many of them become victims. That's why they act, they're victims. Uh, Paul had nothing, yet possessing all things. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You all are not straightened in us, but you all are straightened in your own bowels. Now straightened means narrowed, limited. You go through a straight, it's a narrow passageway offshore. Uh, the Straits of Magellan, there's all kinds of straits. And, but they're narrows, and you have to know what you're doing if you're going to take a ship through or a boat through those because you can crack up real quick. So that's what a straight is. Straight is the gate. Same word. Narrow is a gate, and broad is a way of destruction. The straight is a gate of life, to life, and few there be that find it. But he said, we have not limited you. And that's what all of that, those opposites there. Uh, the right hand on the left, by honor and dishonor, is chastened and not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So you got, you got the negative and you got the positive. Back and forth, back and forth. He says, you all are straightened in your own thoughts of yourselves. But we didn't do it. We didn't straight make you that limited. You're limited in your own bowels, your own emotions. Well, if you stop and think about it, you have to reckon yourself to be dead to sin. You have to account yourself to be dead to sin. Now there is a sense in which. If you're saved. You are dead to sin. You died in Christ. So the facts are. That you are dead to sin. However. You're still very much alive. In this sinful world. And in this sinful flesh. But. It's a mental thing. Or spiritual comes in there, but it's mental. You have to work on your mind. You have to think, wait a minute, I can't be talking like this. I'm a child of God, and I'm dead to this. Yeah. Amen. I can't be acting like this. I'm dead to this. And you have to conquer your mind. And that's why these folks were straightened, narrowed, because they hadn't done that. And Paul's doing everything he can to be a witness to them and a testimony and show them how to do it. Well, 
But now for a recompense and the same reward, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. I speak unto you Corinthians as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Now he says, be ye. That's an imperative. You all be enlarged as we are. So if he says to do it, I'm convinced that we have the ability and the power to do it by being a child of God. So, one thing you must remember, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a, boy, you talk about a narrowing thing there. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? I was a partner with a fellow one time. At the time, I wasn't preaching. I was just beginning to get my life back serving the Lord. And he claimed to be a believer, but he never showed any fruit. And I never let him drag, drag me down, but it was a fight. Because, you see, I was dead dead set on, I'm going to serve the Lord. I wasn't preaching, but I was going to serve the Lord. And he wasn't about to. His biggest... They talk about a bucket list. That's new stuff. I'm, they didn't ever say that when I was back then. But a bucket list, that's what you got that you want to get done before you die, right? The biggest thing on his bucket list, he wanted to go to New Orleans for the Mardi Gras. I don't know if he ever made it or not. We were in New Orleans one time, and it was all I wanted in the daytime, and wasn't no Mardi Gras. Anyway, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Look at Deuteronomy 22. Verse 10, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Well, you all know what an ox yoke is. I used to have one. I don't have it now, but it's a big old wooden thing and got a U-shaped piece there and you put it over the ox, put his head in there, put it up there and lock that in. And then you got a big ring there and you hook your traces to it and Hook a plow to him or to them. Well, you're supposed to have a matched pair. Isn't that right? If they're not matched, they ain't going to pull very good. Maybe not at all. 
especially if you've got a, got a donkey and an oxen, that you ain't get much work done. And that's what Paul is referring to here in verse 14 of chapter 6. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, now the truth of the matter is, uh, that's why we got to be careful wh- where we go Amen. and with, wh- with whom we congregate. Amen. Uh, because it's not going to have, you're not going to be strong enough to influence them. They probably will be influencing you. Maybe not. But if they're not influencing you, and you're standing your ground, what are you doing there? <laughs> I never forget one time when I was on the fire department. I wasn't preaching. I was just trying to serve the Lord. Oh, God, won't you all just come on with us Friday night and have, let your hair down and have some fun? I said, where are you going? I don't know, Holiday Inn East or something. Dance hall. I said, what are you going to be doing? Well, you know, we're going to be sitting, eating, drinking, talking, having fun, dancing, all that stuff. Listening to music. I said, well, I don't drink. Oh, well, just drink a Coke then. I said, then what are we going to do? Well, we're going to just talk. I said, you don't want to talk about what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Bible. And I don't want to talk about what you talk about. I said, well, you dance. I said, I don't want to dance. Well, listen to music. I don't like the music. I said, so here I am. You all are drinking alcohol, carrying on, dancing, probably with everybody else's wives, boogaloo to the music, and here we sit, drinking a Coke, not talking to you, because we don't want to talk about what you're talking about, watching you all dance and hating the music, and I'm supposed to have fun? Won't you go to church with me? Ha! That's my point. What fellowship? They say, well, you think you're better than us. No, I don't. I know what I am. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. And I'm fighting a battle. A battle with Satan, with the world, and with my own flesh. That I might... Serve the Lord acceptably. And what communion hath light with darkness? What communion would be fellowship? Well, you can't have it. What happens when you put light with darkness? You don't you can't have the two. You just don't have them. And what concord? Hath Christ 
with Belial. Well, look at John 8, 44. We'll see that one. You're of the father of the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and bold not the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. There's, there he is, Belial. There he is. So, what agreement, concord is agreement, hath Christ with Belial? There is none. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now, the Muslims use that word. The word uh, means unbeliever or non-believer. They apply it to Allah, but we apply it to God Almighty. So an infidel is one who is an unbeliever. He said, if a man doesn't provide for his own family, he's worse than an infidel, having denied the faith. So we don't want to act like an infidel, and we certainly don't want to be an infidel. And so what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And that is, we have none. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Oh, doesn't have any. Going through the Old Testament, the kings of the southern kingdom, the northern, worse than that, but you had some bad ones in the southern kingdom too. Manasseh is one of them. And what did he do? He set up heathen idols in the temple. And he wasn't the only one. There were others who did that. Solomon even did it. But what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Well, the truth of the matter is none. They don't belong together. Not at all. People ought to realize that too in these churches. I don't realize that. Well, for you all are the temple of the living God. Now he's talking to the church at Corinth. You all are the temple of God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now look over at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think it is. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Know ye not that you all are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. 
For the temple of God is holy, which temple you all are. He's talking to the church at Corinth. This is church truth. We've just come through on chapter 3 there, the judgment seat of Christ. And that's all about building the church of the foundation can no man lay, if any man build upon this foundation. There he says, the church is the temple of God. Says that in Timothy also. But now over here, he says it again. Now it applies to the individual. So not only is the church the temple of God, but your body that has been regenerated, your spirit been regenerated, and in your body, that serves as a temple of God. And so this is your body. In 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, it's the church. So you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will walk, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be their God, and they will be my, shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Them what? We go right back, verse 14. I'm going to be yoked with unbelievers, come out from among them. Righteousness with unrighteousness, come out from among them. Communion, light and darkness. Christ with the Belial, or he that believeth with an infidel and a temple of God with idols. Come out from among them. That's what he's talking about. I don't know how many people you, I know, I know Brother Satan has, uh, some of you have talked to people about coming out of heretic churches. Well, yeah, I believe the truth, but I can't do it because my wife or my family, this is where we've always, this is where we've always gone. Why wouldn't that convince you that you need to, need to, if it's wrong, if it's, if it's a false church, you need to leave it. Amen. You're not going to straighten it out. You're just not going to. Dear old brother Walker, old Ashton Avenue. He hung in the Southern Baptist Convention, protesting. He never, he never was a cooperating man. He was a protesting man. He protested the alien immersion and open communion and all the other stuff in the Southern Baptist Convention. But he wouldn't come out of it. He didn't come out of it. He stayed right there as he was trying to straighten them out. He wasn't strong enough to straighten them out. I quoted this in front of the church. Brother Walker's already dead. Ross Rains is there. I said, Ephraim is turned to idols. Let him alone. I said right down in front of Ashton Avenue. I'd like to never got to say it. <clears throat> well, They didn't. And now they're swallowed up with it. All of them are. And if you don't come out from among them and be separate, I see it all over Facebook. 
independent Baptists claiming to be sound in the grace of God and the church uh, truth and all of that. But I see them moving towards the convention. And it'll swallow them up. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. I don't know how much planter he can get. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So that's the sixth chapter. We need to imitate Paul. As Paul imitates Christ and he's doing that. And so what did Paul do? He took everything that he had. Being in jail, being free. Being beat, being let go. Being lied about, being rejoicing. All of those things. He said, well, how do you take all that? That's what he's saying. How can you do that? You can do it. There it is. He's doing it. And maintain your witness before people to whom you're trying to influence, trying to witness to, trying to uh, preach the gospel to them, trying to preach uh, the whole counsel of God to them. And don't be a stumbling block to them. So we do all these things. Then... We're to be separate. Practice separation. And we we don't want people to think that we think that we're better than they are. We don't want to come across as that. But we're just different. And we've got other interests in our life and things we must do. And we can't do what they do. We just can't do it. I notice anywhere you look, I've been watching some ball games. Now they're advertising short beers. Short beers. But that's okay. See, it's all right to go to a ball game and drink a beer. About everybody thinks that's okay. They all do it, yeah. They all do it. No, no, it's not okay. Uh, of course, we've agreed in our church covenant uh, to abstain from alcoholic beverages. But there's reasons for that. So we must practice separation and really be careful what we're connected with. But will people bad mouth? Well, Paul said honor, dishonor. Shame, disgrace. Will people say bad things about you? Yes, they will. And the truth of the matter is, if they're not, you're not doing anything. But we don't want them to say bad things about us that's true. We're honest, 
hard workers. We say we'll do something, we do it. Just such stuff as that. And if they have to, if they're going to say something bad about us, they're going to have to lie on us, or else they're going to have to accuse us. They're like Christ. They're they've gone crazy on the Bible, not religion, the Bible. Anyway, we'll take up chapter seven next time. Lord bless you all.